Welcome to Sojourners in the Storm Bible Study Podcast. Today we're going to be covering 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 14 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, open up that way. If not, I'll be reading the scriptures to you. I do encourage you, though, as you listen to these, to check the scriptures. Check every pulpit that you ever listen to, any speaker, anybody that's speaking in the name of the Lord, and to make sure that they're, what they're saying is true because there are so many false teachers out there. I wouldn't want any of you guys to be led astray, and I definitely wouldn't want to be the one doing it for you guys. So, you know, always I encourage you, read your Bibles. Stay in them. It's important. We need that fellowship with the Lord. Um, Let's begin. Father God, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for another week, Lord. Thank you for another opportunity to share your word with those around us that are are hearing, Lord. Father, I pray that you would just... uh, Go before each and every one of these listeners, Lord, each and every one of the people in this community. Father, that you would bless us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would change our lives through your truth. Father, I thank you and I pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So C.S. Lewis was a widely, uh, an author widely read, uh, of widely read children's books, The Chronicles of Narnia as well as many novels for grown-ups and books on issues surrounding the Christian faith. The movie Shadowlands, directed by Richard uh, Attenborough and produced in 1993, tells Lewis's story, focusing on, uh, in uh, particular on his relationship with his wife, Joy Gresham. Gresham and Lewis met while Lewis was at uh, a dawn at Oxford University. After Joy is diagnosed with cancer, at, uh, the couple marry. The movie invites us to witness their love, their pain, their grief, their struggles with faith and God. Eventually, Joy dies. At one point in the story, a friend says to Lewis, Christopher can scoff, Jack, but I know how hard you've been praying, and now God is answering your prayers. Lewis replies, that's not why I pray, Harry. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me at all t- all the time, walking and sleeping. It doesn't change. Uh, it doesn't change God. It changes me. In First Thessalonians chapter five verse fourteen, it says, "But now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold uh, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone." But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. And here it is. Wait for it. Ready? Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every uh, from the devil. So today we're going to be talking about the effectiveness of prayer. Now, prayer is the most effective of the spiritual gifts that we possess. We can do so much just by calling out to the Lord and asking in the name of Jesus for change. We can ask for protection for somebody on the other side of the globe, and it it, it will be provided before we even finish the thought because God and his army of angels are so powerful. You know, he can dispatch and move instantly. All we need to do is ask. You know, as we have covered before, Though, we don't just pray for any old things uh, that we want, right? We must be praying along the lines of the will of God. We must be in a place of purity, meaning our sins must be confessed and we must be in repentance. 
Our prayer is not to be for something we want or desire, but something that we need spiritually. You know, we are approaching our Father in heaven, and so our prayer should be natural, like a conversation with Him. I have this friend, Albert, and man, when that guy prays, you know, there's no King James or Christianese involved. He's just talking to his dad, and I think it's so cool just to hear him and, and be around him, especially when he prays for me and stuff like that. It, it, you know, it's so cool. But, uh, you know, that, that comes with a closeness to God. That comes with knowing Him. That know, comes with understanding. Not fearing Him in a sense that, uh, you know, we're scared that we're going to say the wrong thing, but fearing Him in respect and knowing, hey, look, that's my Father in heaven. I can go to Him with anything. You know, we are all the adopted sons and daughters. So we can boldly approach the throne at any time without hesitation when we are aligned with the will of God. You know, boldness is something that I think the church lacks sometimes, especially in this day and age. People are so afraid of what other people uh, think about them. And so they hold back when they should be letting go. You know, we shouldn't be that way. We need to be warriors. And by that, I mean prayer warriors. We should be taking everything to the Lord. That's why we have the Facebook group page that, uh, you know, the, the group that meets for these messages every Tuesday has, you know, we share prayers. Anytime we need anything, anytime anybody in our family is sick, we share them there. And you know what? We pray for each other. And we ask for updates when we get together. You know, it, it's pretty awesome. But we can affect the lives and the outcomes and so much more if we just boldly go where we're constantly needing to go. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked, him, uh, asked of him. So we can be confident in God granting our requests when we pray according to his will. You know, prayer is as essential to our spiritual lives as water and air are to our physical lives. We are not given enough, uh, no, we are not given an open line to God so that we can treat it as the uh, the red phone in the bat cave, right? Remember that one? It only rings when there's an emergency. Uh, you know, we need to be in uh, constantly in contact with the Lord as we navigate the world we live in. But when we pray, we have to remember that we are not just here to ask for a new car or a bigger house or more money, but that we need to be in line with God's will for our lives and the lives of others. We have to enter into the mind of God and think along His way of thinking. You know, prayer is not a human wish list, but a means of aligning ourselves with God's will and affirming our commitment to carrying it out. In John chapter 9, verse 31, it says, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God he does his will, and does his will, he hears him. You know, our prayers and our petitions are answered based on our alignment with God's will. We should not pray for sinful things. We should not pray for fleshly things, but for the things of God. Things like discernment, knowledge, wisdom, direction, healing. Now, prayer is also something that we can do in all situations so that we can, uh, so that they can be used. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, Job 34, 28 says this, so that they can be used, uh, so that they cause the cry of the poor to come to him. For he hears the cry of the afflicted. In Psalm 31, verse 22, it says, For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before, yes, uh, before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. You know, so often we find ourselves in tough situations when we're hurting or we're sick or we're scared, and we cry out to God for help. 
many of us wait and do it as a last resort. And that's, uh, you know, one of the things that we shouldn't do. We should call out to God first. If we did, our troubles would be over a whole lot sooner. But I guess that's part of learning, right? That's part of maturing. But God is our Father. And parents, you know, what wouldn't you do for your children when they're in distress? He comes to our aid when we call out to Him. Remember, we are not alone in life. Our walk is not dependent on us and our ability. It's dependent on our dependence on God to bring us through tough situations and really every situation. And we have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us, but unless we're willing to really submit to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and cry out when we are again walking according to His will, you know, we're going to always have trouble. When we cry out, even when we're not in distress, we can be confident that He hears us. In Proverbs 15, 29, it says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. Many people ask God to save them from a situation, but never to be saved spiritually. You know, many people uh, see God as a cosmic candy machine that they can pick and choose what they like and go away. Uh, but to the believer, God is everything, right? To the righteous, it means to trust and understand that, that God is uh, is for us and not against us. It's knowing that everything from a sip of water to deliverance from the fiery furnace is from the Lord. It, you know, it's a deep understanding. It's a trust. It, it's a, a bond that we have with God. It's not enough just to call out, but to have to be in—you have to be in the right state of mind to do so. If you want—if you know what I'm getting at, uh, you know his answers. He answers the prayers of believers because we trust in him, and we all—and and also when we really believe, we're willing to accept the answer. Uh, where unbelievers' expectation will be much different, right? If God's going to tell us no, well, then we understand that no is the best thing for us. You know, for an unbeliever, if, uh, you know, they're calling out for a miracle and God's sitting there looking at him, he's like, man, you know, I could turn this water into wine right now, but you're still not going to believe. You know, I could put a giant neon cross in the middle of the sky at the middle of night and you people still wouldn't believe. What happened to the nation of Israel when, uh, you know, God went before them in a pillar of fire um, by night and, and, and cloud by day, you know? They still didn't believe. They still turned their back on him at every, at every chance, right? People are fickle like that. It's not a condition of what we see, but it's a condition of the heart and what we believe and what we hold on to with that. In Luke chapter 11, 9, uh, it says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. You know, when we pray, we should be praying expectantly. We should be of an understanding that when we ask in Jesus' name and according to his will, it will be granted to us. Look at verse 15 again. And it says, And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We have the petitions that we, are, uh, that we ask for. means that we have the requests that we made granted to us. That alone should give us confidence in knowing that whatever we need, not want, but need, will always be granted to us when we pray in Jesus' name. Also, when we pray in Jesus' name, we're doing two things. First, we're lifting up his name as the name above all names to the Father. And second, we are identifying as his people when we come to the throne. You know, we're not letting God know, uh, we are letting God know in a way that we are sons through the Son. 
Not that he doesn't already know, but we align ourselves further with him through that act. Verse 16, if anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask, and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. So, you know, we have limits when it comes to intercessory prayer. So when we pray, we often pray for individuals or requests made for us. But there is also prayer for larger groups of people. Now, looking at verse 16, we can see that there is a line drawn out that we must be careful not to cross when we pray. On one hand, we have the brother sinning, which does not lead to death. On the other, we have the sin that leads to death. You know, the, the word brother here is telling in that the person in the sin is a believer that is possible uh, in uh, possibly an error or is beginning to fall away or be pulled away by a willingness to be in the world. You know, those are people we need to pray for, the ones that we need to stand in the gap for. In Ezekiel 22:30 it says, "So I sought for a man among them who would who, who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found not one." You know, standing in the gap for us means we are standing between two entities, one being God and the other being a person or group, which active and actively holding on to both of them and trying to draw the external, which is the people, back to the internal, which is God. You know, when we see a brother or sister falling away, we need to be standing in the gap for them and pulling them back to the Lord, not only by prayer, but by our witness as well, right? We should be doing all we can to bring people into correction and restoration, especially through prayer. We serve the God of restoration, not the God of rejection as the world sees him. You know, we need to be praying for the salvation and forgiveness of backsliders or those that have not been saved. You know, we need to pray for the specific needs of our fellow believers and the unsaved to be saved. Praying for others is part of our daily duty. You know, when one of my brothers is sick, I pray for them. My niece, my nephews, my aunts, my uncles, you know, I pray for them. You know, we are part of a larger family, though. And that family is our heavenly family, and we must intercede on their behalf as well. You know, and also, we need to pray against sin in the congregation. Oftentimes, in a large group, we don't know everybody present. You know, in a large church, there are hundreds of people present, and there's just really no way to stay connected with everybody. But within that large group, there are several people, families. Uh, uh, you know, we never know what they're going through. They're all going through different things, right? We're all at different levels in our maturity. And somebody may be in sin. Somebody may be coveting a neighbor's wife or neighbor's goods. But we need to pray for those. We need to pray that out of the church. You know, we never know what's happening at a given time. But we can do what we can do is pray a blanket prayer for the congregation and the church body. You know, it's not that we don't care about people. We just don't always know them. And so it's difficult to pray for a specific prayer. One thing is for sure, though. God knows the needs and situation of each and every one of us. And when we ask intercession, I believe that he's faithful to answer. You know, there are things we cannot pray uh, pray out of people, though. And those things are the more personal, uh, more of a personal choice needing to made, be made by the person in that sin than anything we can do for them. You know, we cannot pray for a person in egregious sin or to, uh, to be forgiven. Now, some sins are unforgivable. And thus, asking forgiveness for them would be against the will of God. We need to pray for the repentance and the willing to repent of those people. Uh, 
here are a few things that we should not pray for. The first one being people involved in the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is an open and blatant disregard for the truth. Remember the Pharisees when they rejected the miracles that Jesus had performed and ascribed them to the, willing, uh, the workings of Beelzebub. They knew the truth, but rejected it. This is a sin that committed, uh, this is a sin that is committed by the hardest of unbelievers and thus leads to death because those that are committing it will die in their sins and face the second death. You know, there is sin leading to death. I do not say that he, he should, uh, that he should pray about that. You know, notice there is not a name or description of the people that commit sin that leads to death. They are not registered in heaven. Their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. They are outsiders solely and completely because they have rejected God, rejected grace and forgiveness, and made the Holy Spirit a liar in their hearts. We should not pray for those in apostasy. You know, this is knowing God and, and then completely renouncing your belief and going in the opposite direction. This is to become a teacher or a false uh, of a false gospel and leading others astray by the false gospel. It's knowing the truth, but doing otherwise, because it's more appealing to that person as it pertains to their opinion. Now, both the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit as well as apostasy are both in objection to Christ. They are both turning away from, uh, from or a complete rejection of the true gospel. They both place man's laws above God's laws, and thus are Antichrist, or the spirit of the Antichrist. Remember in John's day, he was writing this epistle in response to Gnostics, they were teaching a false doctrine and teaching a false gospel. Uh, to those people, I think he was uh, ascribing this verse because of their apostasy and their blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit said that Jesus was a man, flesh and blood, well then to say that he was a phantom, as they did, would be blasphemy, period. To say that he was fully God and fully man, as the Holy Spirit does, and to say that he was just a man, that the Christ descended upon at baptism and left at the cross, well, that would be calling the Holy Spirit a liar as well. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus was fully God and fully man at all times, from birth and then uh, on, on uh, even on the cross, right, and after the cross. It would lead us to believe that those individuals were beyond saving. As far as praying for these types of individuals, we can definitely pray for them to have a change of heart or a change of mind, we can pray for somebody to come alongside them and witness to them, or even for the strength of uh, in ourselves to witness to these individuals and bring them to the truth. We can pray for their salvation and that they would repent and turn away from this, uh, the sin that they are committing. But what John is getting at is that we cannot pray for their salvation if they are to continue on in the sins that they are, uh, are, are in. You know, some things are just unforgivable. The fact that we are saved is because we submitted. It's because we took the steps that we need uh, needed to take in realizing that we alone are not good enough, that we needed a Savior, and so we gave our lives to God to save us. It requires an acknowledgement on our part. You know, all righteousness, verse 17 here, all righteousness is unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. So all transgressions are sin, but there are levels of sin. You know, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is not sin leading, uh, and there is not sin leading to death. Now, what John is getting at is that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, our sin is forgiven us, both the sins that we committed in the past and also the, also 
the sins that we're uh, going to commit in the future. Remember, none of us are perfect. There's only one who came and lived a sinless life. And to him, we ascribe our lives and, called sa and, and call him Savior, right? That is Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to sin. We're going to fall short. You know, our pastor tells us all the time, don't look to me, look to God, because I will fail you. I say the same thing. I will fail you. I will fall short each and every day. I know each one of us does. None of us are perfect, right? The Bible says that there are none good, not one. So we need to be to remember that that and not beat ourselves up over these things. You know, what we do need to do, though, is to confess and, and set ourselves right and repent and work towards not repeating those sins, right? We, we're here for life change, not just uh, for stagnation. Um, you know, it's very easy to fall into sin. And the next thing you know, there's somebody standing in the gap for you when we should be standing in the gap for somebody else. But that's one of the benefits of being part of the heavenly family. We always have a brother or a sister that's looking out on our behalf. Now, the second part of this is that there are levels of sin. And I believe that comes with the knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they ate from the tree of good and evil. And before that, they had no knowledge of sin. They were living out a natural life as God had laid out for them. After eating the fruit, what happened to them? They went into hiding because they realized that they were naked. That they, and they had shame and that they had sin. And at that point, God covered them. You know, when we wake up each and every day, I'm sure that our intent is to live life as far from sin as possible. But as the day goes on, we fall short, don't we? You know, it's not that we don't always know better. Sometimes we're, there are sins of commission that, that we go out and commit, and there are sins of omission, things that we uh, need to do but don't do, right? When we actively go out and purposefully set our hearts towards sin and repeated sin, especially the major sins like murder and adultery and blasphemy and apostasy, those are the sins that lead to death. You know, it's when we fall short. It's when we sin and we acknowledge that we sinned that we turn away, uh, 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 turn away. Those are the sins that that do not lead to death. I think that comes with taking responsibility for our actions. Where the apostate or the uh, the blasphemer will live their lives in such a way that they have no accountability. I think that leads to even greater sin because in their minds they've done nothing wrong, but in their hearts I think that they know, uh, know it, and they are condemned, and so they could carry on even more. But for the believer, when we sin, we feel in our, uh, you know, we feel it in our heart, right? We feel it deep in our spirit. It's disturbing, and it changes us. It changes our mindset. It can take us out sometimes. That's why we turn. We change our hearts, and we turn back to God. As far as levels of sin, you know, I think it comes with knowing the truth and turning away. You know, knowing to do better, but still doing the wrong thing in place of the right thing because it's advantageous to us. You know, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not there is level of, uh, of sin or whether there is a greater sin than other sin. Uh, all sin is an offense to God, but the Bible tells us that there, that there are greater offenses than others. Take, for example, John chapter 19, verse 11. Jesus answered. He said, you could have no power at all against me unless I have been uh, it had been given to you from above. Therefore, if the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. You see, in order to be a Pharisee, you had to have the scriptures memorized. And they had uh, to know the Old Testament through and through. 
when Jesus came, he stood right in front of their faces and spoke about the kingdom of heaven and gave them the Beatitudes and the sermons. And he fed 5,000 people with a few fish and a few loaves of bread. When he healed the sick, when he gave hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind, they should have known and should have been willing uh, and should have seen him uh, for who he was. But instead, what they recognized was that Jesus is uh, and his presence on earth took away their authority over men as the religious leaders. And so they had to deal with the problem out of envy. This led to greater sin. You know, we put in we put everything on Pilate as far as the crucifixion goes, but it would have never gotten that far if the Jewish, re Jewish religious leaders had not first given over Jesus to the Romans. And therefore, they had the greater sin because they knew God and they rejected him. So the level of sin comes with knowing the truth but rejecting the truth. Knowing what's right or wrong and rejecting what's right or wrong. Openly rejecting it. That is why we must always be checking ourselves. We must always be walking circumspectly in the world because there are snags and snares everywhere that will pull us away. You know, false teachings are a dime a dozen anymore. And so we need to be careful and check everything that we see against the word so that we do not fall into that type of error. You know, no matter what uh, or, or where we're at, no matter what we're doing, we can always turn to the Lord and pray. And just because somebody is outside the will of God does not mean that they cannot be saved. I think we should be praying for repentance of apostates and repentance of blasphemers, repentance of the hardened unbelievers. But we must also recognize that we cannot pray for them to be saved in the state that they are in. You know, we can also have faith in knowing that when we do pray along the will of God, that we, we do align ourselves with his plans and his way with, it, with his heart and with his love for both us and those around us, that he hears our prayers and he's faithful to answer them. Whether it's yes or no or wait, he always answers. You know, we've got to be willing to submit. We've got to be willing to accept, to know. When we want, to, uh, when we want yes, we've got to be willing to wait, uh, to know that we can always call out to him. And no, ma no matter what the situation, in the highest of highs or lowest of lows, our God hears us. Our God wants to hear from us. You know, so often we pray when we're in the lowest of lows you know, at the bottom of the valley. We need to call out at the peaks also. You know, I remember being a manager uh, just last year before I left my, my prior job. You know, the only time I ever heard from anybody was when something bad was happening. But when we were doing good, it was just quiet. Like, Man, sometimes you need to hear from other people when it's good, you know. And, and it's the same way with the Lord. We should be crying out to Him, rejoicing, praising Him. You know, uh, we, we have praise reports all the time when we, when we have our prayer groups and stuff. And, you know, it's awesome because you see God working through there. It's a reminder to all of us, hey, man, God's going to answer that prayer. You know, um, contact with the Lord is not limited to hard times. It's not limited to when we wake up and when we go to bed. It's not limited to when we go to church on Sundays or when we have Bible study or we listen to podcasts, you know. It should be all the time. Pray without ceasing. You know, if you're having a good day, pray. You know, if you're having a bad day, pray. If you're having an in-between day, pray. Do it all the time. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help me. Lord, show me the way. You know, he's always there. He's always listening. And, he, you know, he's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. You know, uh, he's omniscient. He knows all things. He can do all things. He's everywhere. 
You know, he's not limited by anything, by any means. So why not ask? Why not turn to him, right? Do you ever call your parents after you get older and leave the house? You know, your parents need to find different things to do. And when it's like the, the hobbies and the fishing and all that stuff starts, right? Right now, my mom is in canning mode. Every time we go over, my brothers can speak to it. You know, we go home with like a fresh jar of handmade salsa. You know, it's my mom's way of finding something to do. But when we give her a call in the middle of the day, you can hear her voice light up. You know she gets excited. And I think it's that way. Uh, th that's the way it is with God when we pray to Him. You know we're lifting up our hearts to our Father. We're lifting up our voices to Him, whether in praise or distress. He wants to hear from us all the time. It glorifies Him. You know that we're out there seeking Him, waiting, uh, wanting His advice and wanting His direction and wanting that change in our lives. That we pray, are praying for our brothers and our sisters and reaching out to them, uh, uh, out for them and standing in the gap and trying to draw them near to Him. That somebody might be out there praying for us in that same manner. You know, let that be our lesson for this week. That no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, and no matter what we're facing, we can always call out to the Lord. And He always will be faithful to hear us and respond. And one last thing, you know, we've talked about in First John, the three doctrinal tests, right? Uh, you know, the doctrine of Jesus, believing that He came in the flesh, believing Jesus for who He is, the history, the Jesus of history, the Jesus of the Bible. Secondly, the social test, right? To love your neighbors as yourself, to love those around us. And the moral test, to live uprightly. Well, you know what? We enact all three of those aspects of our faith when we pray. When we pray to God, we're trusting in Him. When we're praying for somebody else, we're believing in Him. And when we're praying, uh, you know, asking for direction in ourselves, we're living morally because He's going to give us the direction that we need to go in. Right? All these different things. They might sound separate, but they all work in the same way. God works all things for good. So with that, let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you again, Lord. Thank you, Father, for tearing the veil from the top down, Lord, so that heaven was opened up to us, Lord, and we can approach, approach the Holy of Holies at any moment, Lord, that we can come to you, that we can ask of you, that we can talk to you, Lord, that we can just love on you, Lord, and that you just love on us, and you, you show us the way, Lord, you give us wisdom, you give us guidance, you know, you give us hope, Lord. Father, we just thank you for that, Lord. We ask you for continued blessing, Lord. We ask you to just go before us this week, Lord, as we, you know, face the challenges of this world that we are in. Lord, that we know that we are not of this world, but we are travelers in it. We are sojourners in this world. Father, And we just wait for the day that we can be with you. Father, we thank you. And we pray Maranatha. In Jesus' name, amen.